Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined this week by Christophe Moulin, Head of Multi-Asset, to discuss asset allocation in what remains a, a quite challenging environment for investors. If we think about the reflation narrative that we had at the beginning of the year, quite positive expectations of the U.S. coming out of lockdown to be followed by by other countries. You had the additional bonus of significant fiscal stimulus in the U.S. that was hoped would accelerate the process, enhance the process, and let the U.S. lead global growth, followed perhaps by China. That sort of happened, but there's been some unpleasant surprises over the last couple of weeks, starting with the U.S. non-farm payrolls data, which showed far fewer jobs created in the U.S. than had been expected. And that prompted uh, quite vivid debates about what was the cause of that disappointment. Subsequently, we've seen a bigger than anticipated acceleration in inflation. And instead of talking about simply reflation, there's discussions of perhaps stagflation as we have an economy that perhaps cannot meet the demand uh, that it's going to be facing as consumers understandably want to get back to traveling and going to restaurants. At the same time, that disrupted supply chains, perhaps somewhat dysfunctional labor markets are leading to price rises. As I said, a challenging environment for someone like you, Christoph, who has to figure out from a global point of view where the opportunities, where the risks, what's the best place to allocate your funds. So let me start off with a uh, first question. So Christoph, what are your expectations broadly for the evolution of markets as we move towards the second half of 2021? Hi. Perhaps uh, it would be interesting to see the evolution of the market fo- focus between the beginning of the year and what will come next. So. Uh, clearly, as you said, uh, first quarter has been the one of the U.S. exceptionalism. Uh, that was not surprising for, for us because it was more or less in line with our scenario at the start of the year. You know, we had this historical combo with the huge U.S. fiscal plan and the ongoing massive monetary stimulus in the context of uh, the rapid vaccination rollout. And that clearly has favored the U.S. lead uh, in the market. So we have we had U.S. equity and dollar uh, as the short-term winners. We had these tensions and in the on the yields and steepening of the U.S. curve. And in parallel, we have this reflation optimism uh, that has favored the value versus growth rotations on equity. So. We were right in these assessments on U.S. assets and our views, basically being long U.S. equities, long dollar, and also short bonds or even long linkers, deliver well during the Q1. Now, in the Q2, we think that we are in the transition from policy put. Uh, You know, we do think that now the fiscal plan and the central bank support is very well priced in the market to a more synchronized recovery team, uh, more global and less US-centric, probably. That's why we are expecting for this quarter 
the market uh, being more sideways market with less beta and more alpha opportunities. That's why we need to keep uh, a certain level of flexibility and we have to mind the risk reward in our positioning. Also, we do think that the US dollar bullishness comes to an end. And to me, the US dollar has already peaked. Uh, we also do think that the yields after pausing should continue to rise, but in a much more synchronized manner. That is to say, the US euro spread should stop widening. That's exactly what we have seen uh, during the latest uh, weeks. For H2, uh, I think that a global recovery and a more synchronized market evolution should become the central team. And you know, we have identified one year ago uh, some uh, long-term trends uh, after having a major reversal uh, in the market. Uh, these trends are bullish trends on global commodity, long-term uh, outperformance of EM equity against the DN market and the bearishness of the dollar, mainly against the commodity currency and the emerging one, we do think that this long-term trends will resume during the second part of the, of the year. Also, for sure, we do see higher yields still. So in a nutshell, all the long-term trends linked to global recovery and reflation teams should resume in the second part of the year. And we will exit from this uh, US exceptionalism to, to, to go for uh, something more global. Now, that sounds still reasonably positive to me, but I mentioned at the beginning uh, inflation risks. And it's worth highlighting that it wasn't just the US inflation data that we had last week that got investors' attention, you also seem to be having rising inflationary pressures in China. So this has come to the, the forefront of investors' minds uh, and a very strong debate taking place uh, between those that think it is temporary and really doesn't have much longer-term impact for the markets and those that see a risk of something uh, accelerating and ultimately perhaps forcing the Fed in particular to raise rates sooner than they've said they would. Uh, that's a question then for you then, Christoph. The Fed insists this inflation is only temporary. What's your view? You know, our economy central case is uh, in line with the Fed's one, uh, co considering that the surge in inflation is probably temporary in a long-term, low-flation world. So my view on this topic is threefold. First, I agree to, to follow our economies, considering that the central case is still a low-flation low scenario for, for the long run, for the time being at least. But uh, to me, the inflation topic is not only a question of level and pass, but also, and it's probably uh, more important for the market, a question of uncertainty for the investor. I mean that uh, currently everyone knows that we, we have and we will continue to have in the, in the near term future a very large print of uh, inflation. Uh, but it's not the real issue for the market. The real issue is to see uh, 
large increase of the risk premia uh, in the market, having the participant unable to price the inflation and its path going forward. If we move into that direction, in this context, there will be more uncertainty about the prospect of inflation and about the Fed, Fed rate price path itself. So uh, the investors in this context can start to, to panic and we can have a real rate uh, surging. Moreover, if this scenario happens later in the year, during the Q Q3 or Q4, synchronized with a peak reach on PMIs, this can trigger a large correction in the market. Clearly, we are not yet at this juncture, but we have to closely monitor this scenario. And even if the surge of inflation should be temporary, the uncertainty around it could be very painful for the market in the short run. We've been discussing the reflationary environment that we've had since the end of last year. And one of the expectations in that environment are certain assets should, should outperform others, cyclical, say, versus defensives. Uh, also, value versus growth. So uh, there's a big debate about whether that rotation, particularly around value and growth, uh, has played itself out, whether there's any more room for that to run. And also, is it just a U.S. phenomenon or is it more global? You have to make your asset allocation decisions from a global point of view. How do you view the rotation? First, we, we don't analyze this bias in uh, isolation like a pure equity manager. As you know, Daniel, we are a global investor. That means that we analyze the risk embedded in our portfolio in a more holistic manner. That is to say, our value growth stance on equity has to be put in perspective, integrating all the exposure we have on other asset classes, and notably fixed income, commodities, and even Forex. Second, uh, during the Q, Q1, we have decided to integrate more value in, into our asset allocation compared to what we had uh, last year. We were more growth-oriented last year, so we have decided to be more balanced, I would say around 50-50 on the equity bucket. Uh, we did that because uh, we were confident on the, on the path on the yield, seeing the, the yield rising. And we did that by buying uh, Japanese equity uh, with a value tilt and also uh, moving from a, a pure U.S. mainstream equity exposure to U.S. equity value. Again, uh, we, don't, we don't see this stance uh, in isolation because we are in parallel long commodity and we are also short on fixed income, and these positions are also linked to the same reflection uh, thematic. So I would say that even if our stance on equity is 50-50, if we consider the other exposure we have on other asset classes, we are uh, more valued than this 50-50 uh, uh, stance on, uh, on equity overall. Finally, we do believe that there is still room to see another leg of rotation into uh, value in the short run, uh, let's say three to six months. But we will be more cautious 
when we will uh, see the peak of the PMIs. So if the PMIs peak is in Q Q3 or Q4, uh, we will be more cautious and notably on uh, cyclical value. But for the time being, we are not yet here. That's why we are still confident on, uh, on value. So we consider this uh, value growth story more as a tactical bet rather than a strategical one for the time being. This view will be reassessed, but for the time being, we consider it only as tactical uh, tactical bet. Another key issue for investors uh, is equity market valuations. I think we're aware that PE price earnings ratios, not only for the U.S. market, but arguably for Europe as well, are elevated compared to history. At the same time that we anticipate interest rates going up, and that raises the possibility of a correction in equity markets. Given that context, Christoph, how are you positioned? Yes, indeed, uh, Daniel, there, there is a risk of uh, correction on risky assets and notably equities. And we have identified the, the second quarter to be a, a good timing to face uh, such a correction. Uh, knowing that our market dynamics indicator, notably the behaviors indicator, uh, looks uh, quite stretched, uh, actually. That's the reason why uh, mid-April we have decided to reduce the sizing of our risk-on positioning. Uh, and, and the risk we take now is uh, close to the average risk we take uh, on the long run, uh, we had more risk uh, at the beginning of uh, March and uh, during all the course of March, for, for instance. But having said that, uh, we don't think that the correction on, on equity uh, will be very large. We, we do think, as a central case, we, we can have correction uh, limited to 5 uh, to 7% peak to trough. And uh, I will say that uh, the worst case scenario will be 10 to 12 percent uh, peak to trough. Why? Because the strong fundamental support are still there and alive. That's why to us, we can face a correction right now, but uh, for sure not uh, a reversal. And we are still in a uh, buy and deep uh, mode. Later in the year, as already said, we, we expect a much more synchronized evolution of the markets, so a bit less US-centric than actually. Uh, that's why EM should surprise on the upside, not only LATAM, but also Asia and China, the, despite lower growth. So we are expecting the, the, the long-term trend uh, identified one year ago to resume. That's why we are currently long global commodities, particularly we are still confident on oil and copper. Even they have rallied a lot, we, 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 we do think that we will see higher level in second part of the year on commodities. We are long emerging market and China uh, on equity. Again, uh, we, we do think that we can have an outperformance of EM against DM in the second part of the year, contrary to what we have faced during the first part of the year. We are still long emerging debt local, 
Uh, why? Because we do think that there is, there is still premia embedded on this asset class and local also because we, we do think that uh, the emerging currency uh, should do well against the dollar uh, for the rest of the year. We still have this value tilt being long US equity value and Japanese equity, uh, Japanese equities that are clearly cheap. And we are also short uh, EMU fixed income, uh, knowing that uh, to us, we can have a, a surge of the bond yields moving into uh, positive territory for the, for the 10 years. We have other bets. Uh, notably, you know, we, we are still long of uh, European small caps against large caps uh, because it's a long-term trend we still believe in. We had recently a correction of the small caps, but to us, it's only a correction in a trend which is uh, still in place. Uh, we have also two positions for diversification, long real estate and long gold. We, we still see value being long gold in a global asset allocation, despite the correction we had uh, during the first part of the year. And notably, if we, have, if we move into an inflation scenario, gold could be a, a good edge. And for the record, we, we do like some medium-term, long-term thematic investments. And we are currently invested in global environment energy transition, artificial intelligence. So this, this uh, thematic has suffered a bit recently because they are more growth-oriented. But we have also added recently another uh, thematic, which is infrastructure, being here a bit more specific uh, along the winners of the Biden plan versus short uh, taxes uh, losers. So to sum up, I would say that we are still risk-on. Uh, we haven't planned to reinforce our risk on positioning on equities and commodities on a dip, and we expect in the short term, uh, short run a dip in May or June. So if that happens, we will higher our exposure again on equity and commodities. We have a more global stance uh, than probably uh, most of our competitors because we do anticipate the uh, EM market notably outperforming the developed market uh, going forward, the second part of the year. And it's a bit out of consensus because now there are more doubt about EM and particularly China in, in the market. And we closely uh, monitor for sure the inflation risk. And, and, and I would say the main risk of this scenario, which is very constructive on risky assets, will be... Um, uh, the apparition of a new COVID variant uh, resistant to vaccination, in that case, for sure, uh, the risky asset uh, will, will have bad times, but uh, clearly that's not our central case, which is uh, still uh, risk-on and positive for the second part of the year. So thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Christophe. If I can summarize what you shared with us, we started out the year uh, with U.S. exceptionalism really being characterized by not only support of central banks, which frankly we've had since a global financial crisis, but in very supportive central government and fiscal stimulus. That may be transitioning now towards a more globally synchronized recovery through the rest of the year, but that also may imply 
sideways movements in the markets, which then would necessitate a bit more flexibility when it comes to asset allocation in order to take advantage of the opportunities. Around the inflation question, uh, Christoph said you believe we are still in a lowflation world, but that the real issue for investors is not so much the near-term jump we're going to see in inflation, but just the increase in uncertainty about the outlook for inflation. And that may be the bigger threat to the markets than necessarily a higher uh, CPI print. Finally, you did mention your allocations are still broadly risk-on, still looking for outperformance of value and commodities and emerging markets through the end of the year. You acknowledge that there is um, as always, a risk of correction in equities, but you did anticipate that it would necessarily be very large. Well, that's all we have for today. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks to Christoph for sharing his insights. Please join us next week when I will be speaking with Peter Abbott on the outlook for European equities. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.